section thirteen of hildebrand and his times by william richard ward stevens this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by pamela nagami chapter nine hildebrand elected pope first two years of his pontificate ten seventy three to ten seventy five part two soon after this an embassy was sent to germany consisting of the cardinal bishops hubert of palestrina and gerald of ostia as legates accompanied by the bishops of como and Chur, and the empress agnes the king was keeping easter at bamberg but the legates would not meet him there because hermann the bishop was notoriously simoniacal they were received with due honours at nuremberg where the king formally renewed his profession of repentance and submission in their presence and his counsellors having taken an oath to restore all church property obtained through simony were released from excommunication the legates then demanded the summons of a national council in which they would preside and proclaim the decrees of the last synod at rome against simony and clerical marriage but the german bishops objected to roman legates presiding at a national council if the pope did not preside in person the office of president they said belonged to the archbishop of mainz the legates stormed and cited the archbishop of mainz and bremen the chief instigators of opposition to answer for their conduct at rome they were obliged to leave however without holding the council but they returned home laden with gifts and bearing a friendly letter from henry to the pope gregory attributed his submissive behaviour to the influence of his mother and wrote a grateful letter to her expressing the liveliest hope of a lasting reconciliation with the king to the archbishops siegfried of mainz and liemar of bremen he wrote letters of sharp reproof peremptorily citing them to appear at the next lenten synod in rome and suspending liemar from his functions during the interval to henry in december he wrote a very kindly letter thanking him for his reception of the legates expressing his joy at hearing that he intended to put down simony and clerical concubinage and proposing that the dispute about the see of milan should be settled by a conference but the project which most absorbed the mind of gregory during the year ten seventy four was an expedition to the east the emperor michael the seventh wrote a letter to gregory in ten seventy three craving the help of western christendom against the seljuk turks and suggesting hopes of reunion between the eastern and western branches of the church gregory responded to the appeal with alacrity he sent the patriarch of venice to constantinople as his envoy he wrote to the counts william of burgundy raymond of st gilles and amadeus of savoy february ten seventy four urging them to muster forces for the defence of the east from the infidel and in march he addressed a circular letter to all the faithful especially beyond the alps to come to the rescue of their eastern brethren but his grand project broke down in april he wrote to godfrey of lotharingia upbraiding him for not sending the soldiers which he had promised in june he left rome and went to a spot near viterbo where the tuscan troops were to assemble but the pisans refused to serve under gisulf of salerno whom he had appointed commander and beatrice and matilda who had promised in their zeal to raise thirty thousand men 
were hindered from fulfilling their promise by an insurrection amongst their vassals the disappointment was all the more bitter to him because he had reckoned upon using his crusading army to overawe robert guiscard the one power in italy which was really formidable to him robert had been summoned to benevento where gregory had hoped to display his host of crusaders before him and then release him from the ban of the church if he seemed submissive but things turned out the other way robert came indeed to benevento but with a strong army of vassals and the pope who had none dared not meet him worry and vexation brought on a severe illness in which his life was almost despaired of by october he had recovered but wrote in a most desponding strain to beatrice and matilda about the failure of his plans and the general corruption of faith and morals in christendom his recovery from sickness caused him sorrow he said rather than joy and his whole soul was yearning for that better country where the weary would be at rest two months later however his hopes had revived he writes to the king december seventh telling him that he has more than fifty thousand men ready to march under his own guidance to the east against the enemies of god he begs henry to give him counsel and aid and commends the chief care of the church to him in his absence he himself would rather die for the deliverance of the faithful than be the ruler of the whole world above all things he longed to reclaim the eastern church from error and lead it back in obedience to the apostolic see he proposed that the countess matilda and the empress agnes should accompany him as pilgrims on this pious expedition with such sisters by his side he would gladly lay down his life for christ assured of meeting them again in the everlasting home but these bright visions of glory speedily dissolved the project was everywhere received with cold indifference or positive opposition at last the emperor made overtures to robert guiscard accompanied by handsome gifts the daughter of robert was betrothed to the son of the emperor and the heir of the caesars obtained from a norman adventurer the aid which he had sought in vain from the supreme pontiff of the west it was a mortifying blow to the ambition of gregory on january twenty second ten seventy five he wrote in deep dejection to hugh abbot of cluny he implores his friend to pray as he did himself that the lord would either come to the rescue of his suffering church or release his servant from this world of misery and load of care turn to what quarter of the world he would he found scarce any bishops who ruled their flocks from the pure love of christ rather than from worldly ambition and among princes there were none who preferred the honour of god and his righteousness to their own gain and as for the romans lombards and normans among whom he dwelt they were worse as he often told them to their face than jews and pagans he had some months earlier written a letter to manas archbishop of Reims, in which he drew a frightful picture of the disorders and moral corruption of the kingdom of france accused the king philip i of being the chief instigator of rapine and every species of wickedness and upbraided the bishops with being dumb dogs who did nothing to protect their church and country from spoliation and ruin 
unless they compelled the king to desist from his simoniacal appointments and his deeds of violence and oppression he would lay his kingdom under interdict and by god's help pluck him down from the throne which he disgraced and unless the bishops did their duty more zealously he would deprive them of their office this tone of excessive severity and the haughtiness of the legates whom he sent to france roused the spirit of resistance among the french clergy with which even the cluniacs had some sympathy but in lombardy and germany the disaffection was more deeply seated the decrees against simony and clerical marriage were little regarded the peremptory citations to the german bishops to attend the lent synod at rome were met with polite evasions or blunt refusals the lent synod sat from february twenty fourth to twenty eighth ten seventy five and gregory was not sparing in his use of spiritual weapons five counsellors of king henry were excommunicated for simony the suspension of archbishop limar was renewed and the same punishment was inflicted on bishop werner of strasbourg and henry of speyer hermann of bamberg was threatened with it unless he came to rome before easter and cleared his character before the pope in lombardy the bishops of pavia and turin were suspended the bishop of piacenza deposed excommunication was again pronounced on robert guiscard and philip king of france was warned that the same fate would befall him unless he gave some assurances of amendment to the papal legates four decrees against simony and clerical marriage were promulgated at this synod one all priests who had purchased their orders or office were forbidden to minister again in the church two any benefice obtained by money was to be forfeited three priests convicted of incontinence were to be degraded four the laity were to reject the ministrations of any priests who disobeyed these injunctions but the most momentous decree was that which declared investiture by laymen with any ecclesiastical office absolutely uncanonical the reforming party had for some time past been opposed to the custom of laymen bestowing the symbolical ring and staff upon bishops or abbots but now for the first time it was condemned by an authoritative judgment from the apostolic chair such a decree obviously touched the royal power in germany and italy in its tenderest point it looks as if gregory were now determined to leave the king no choice between absolute submission and an open rupture with rome henry had not as yet fulfilled his own promises or hearkened to the demands of gregory he had done nothing to settle the disputed succession at milan or to put down simony and clerical marriage he had not compelled the german bishops to attend the lent synod at rome which gregory in his letter of december ten seventy four had requested him to do gregory however invited him to send some discreet counsellors to rome to confer on the possibility of softening the canon about investiture certainly this canon was not so publicly circulated as the others it was not like them inserted in all letters written to bishops about this time and several years later many of the german bishops could profess themselves ignorant of it in fact it seems to have been suspended as a kind of threat over henry's head in the hope of inducing him to come to terms only terms with gregory meant nothing short of absolute surrender he intended to keep the king rigorously to the language of humble submission employed in his letter two years before 
at present he may have hoped to get the support of the king in reducing the clergy to obedience but in their subjugation henry might dread his own and he soon showed that he had no mind to abide slavishly by words which had been wrung from him in an hour of need and almost of despair End of section thirteen